Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast, hosted by Renita Ray Davis, licensed clinical social worker, board-approved social work clinical supervisor, and facilitator of the Goddesses of Social Work supervision community. Join us as we travel through the social work journeys told by the Goddesses of Social Work community members, past and present, as they make their way to our clinical licensure. Welcome to the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. In today's episode, Renee Ingram, LMSW, has graced us with her presence. Renee Ingram, LMSW, is a native to Montgomery, Alabama. During her adolescence, she developed a passion for working with at-risk youth through her role as an after-school counselor. From this experience, Renee decided that she wanted to be a change agent for youth who have experienced social, emotional, economic and behavioral issues. Renee received her bachelor's degree in social work from the illustrious Clark Atlanta University and received her master's in social work from the University of Alabama with a concentration in children, adolescents, and family. Renee is an LMSW in the state of Alabama and currently works as a children's therapist. Renee has dedicated herself to the helping profession of social work for the past three years and is excited for what the rest of her social work journey brings. Welcome, Renee. I'm super excited to have you on the show today. Thank you, Renita. I appreciate that. Renee, I am so intrigued by your education journey. You went to both an HBCU and a PWI. Can you describe what you took away from such different experiences? Yeah, um... When I think back on my experience from Clark Atlanta, it opened my eyes a lot to not only like the profession of social work, but um, from what they based our curriculum on was the Afrocentric perspective. And that was used a lot um, when, you know, they're explaining different models of social work and um, practice skills. And that was very new to me. I didn't know that um, that was an essential part of the work that I was going to do was working from the Afrocentric perspective and really recognizing the strengths, um, you know, culturally um, that African-Americans have and using that in practice. I, I didn't know that was something that, you know, was so important. Um, so I will, I really do thank um, Clark Atlanta for that. Um, and I think when you go to a predominantly black college, it's, it's kind of hard to not fall into the culture. So, um, you know, you're learning a lot about yourself. You're learning your, a lot about your yourself um, and looking through other people and their culture, um, because, you know, you're not just going to school with just African-Americans. You're going to school with other people from different countries and you're just learning so much and um, being able to put that um, into practice, I think was really beautiful for me. Um, it kind of centered me a little bit. I really liked it. Um, and now kind of, um, looking at my experience with the PWI, it was drastically different. Um, you kind of have more of, um, just a strengths perspective, kind of like a general way of practice with your clients is not so much culturally focused. Um, and you also kind of have a different experience with, your professors too, they are more, I don't know how to say it, but more like, they're more like straightforward. So they're, they're not, um, I think as sensitive to certain things that may be going on, um, 
I think that it's it's more of of let's get this done versus you know my experience in undergrad was like okay well you have x y and z going on like I'm really understanding of that let me like push back this assignment so that was very different for me um but I did really like the pace um with the University of Alabama I did mine solely online so I could kind of pace myself with my assignments and when I turn things in and course maybe an overachiever I kind of you know worked ahead but <laughs> yeah so I think that that was what I got from both experiences but I still learned so much from both absolutely absolutely do you mind digging in you know I didn't go to HBCU and I have heard about the Afrocentric perspective but just for our audience including myself do you mind digging in a little bit more on the concept of the Afrocentric perspective? Okay. Yeah, so basically the Afrocentric perspective to me is almost like a spin on the strengths pr perspective. So you are placing importance on your client. Um, your client is the center and the focus of their own treatment and their goals. And you have to look at them holistically as an individual. Um, there are so many different areas of social work, of practice, but... Um, you might be treating someone as a medical social worker, but they might have some economical disadvantages that you have to look at that might be a barrier to those services. So when you're looking at your clients, um, even though you have a direct service that you're providing, you have to look at them as a whole person because there might be some things that might get in the way of you providing the best care. Um, and so I think that's the biggest thing when it comes to the African perspective is when you're thinking about the African-American culture and the disadvantages, that is a big part of the work that we do is making sure that the people that have disadvantages get those services. Um, and so knowing that you have this disenfranchised group of people, um, sometimes you have to look in some really hard places and also meet them where they are because um, it kind of makes me think too, um, the African-American culture as a whole stereotypically distrust a lot of the systems that are in place. And that is something too that the Afrocentric perspective considers as well. Um, how do we connect them with the services they need, even if they are um, distrusting? So that may even be, um, hey, I would prefer to speak with someone who looks like me. I mean, and that might be difficult for a clinician, but that could be the person that can convey a message to them that will be well-received so they can get the help that they need. Absolutely beautiful. I love it. We were just talking to Brittany, who um, has her LICSW and asking her her plans for her social work future. And she was a little hesitant and wanting to say, I want to make be a clinician who works with Black families. And we talked about standing on your square and saying that out loud because there are clients who are looking for clinicians who want to work with, who look like them, mm -hmm. look like them, who want to work with Black families. So I appreciate you digging into that a little bit for us, Renee. That was really great, a great answer. Renee, tell me a little bit about your social work journey. You can start from wherever you want to. Oh, wow. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, I don't even know where to start with it, but um, I think the biggest part of my social work journey, it's really started in my childhood. I think 
I just didn't have a name for it then. Um, but I basically grew up in a family of helpers and I didn't even really understand what their jobs were. Um, but I just remember loving it. Like I used to love to hear stories about what they're doing, you know, and I would sit, you know, in my aunt's office and I was just, you know, take it all in. And I, I just didn't know what that world was. And, you know, now I know that um, I come from two other generations of social workers, my grandma, and my aunt. Um, so that's a beautiful thing. Um, and they've taught me a lot about what that looks like and not limiting yourself in this profession. Um, so I think that was kind of like my starting point with them and seeing what they do. Um, and then I shifted, you know, in my adolescence working after school gigs and babysitting and tutoring. And I was like, I kind of like this, like I'm, I'm helping the kids. Um, and a lot of times I'm working in those environments that people don't want to work in. Um, you know, I, I worked in a lot of low income areas where there were a lot of disparities and sometimes the kids did not have the one-on-one -on -one you know, skills that they needed. So I, I really do appreciate being able to do that, like even as a teenager. Um, and so when I got to my senior year, still didn't know what social work was. I was kind of sitting in my guidance counselor's office and I'm like, yeah, I just want to help people. And she's just kind of like, okay, <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> like, I don't know what you're going to do with that. <laughs> um, and so she is actually the one that gave me information. We were looking up different professions and she gave me the profession of social work. And I just started doing research. Um, and I was like, I could do this. Like this sounds like something I could do. Um, and I just remember me not knowing what I wanted to do. Only had one college pick, which was Auburn University. Didn't even go there. <laughs> um, so I know she was like sitting in her office like this girl has no clue what she wants to do. <laughs> and so, you know, after I did that research, you know, I found Clark Atlanta University. And, you know, I think that was probably the best decision that I ever made because, you know, not only was um, that like the pinnacle of like me falling in love with social work, I think it really helped me with myself too, what direction I wanted to go in with helping others. It, it really changed my trajectory in that way. And um, I just, I think about that experience so much um, because, you know, a lot of times you hear about the difference between HBCUs and PWIs and um, the value of the education, whether it's the same. I truly do believe that, you know, that that it was, if not better for me. Um, so um, after I graduated from Clark Atlanta, I didn't know what I wanted to do still. Um, I'm not going to lie. Um, it's like you come in and you're like, this is great. And then you get to another senior year and you're like, oh, I got <laughs> to make some choices. So I think I got scared. Um, right after I got my BSW because I knew I didn't want to um, go to DHR. I didn't want to do um, 
the entry level social work jobs. I just didn't want to do it. I don't know if that's bougie, but I don't want to do it. <laughs> I didn't want to do it. So I was at a loss. I was like, I, I don't know if I want to do grad school because there were so many barriers with that. And to be transparent, a lot of those barriers were, you know, with my own self. Um, you know, I couldn't drive. I didn't have a car. And, um, you know, a lot of the graduate programs were really expensive and I, I wasn't um, prepared for that. I wasn't in a space where I could move and be mobile and, you know, do all the things I needed to do to fulfill that. Um, so I just got scared. I was like, you know what? Forget grad school. I can't do it. You know, I'm not getting the support either. Um, you know, I have family like, you just need to get a job. And I'm kind of like, oh, I guess. <laughs> Uh, what job would that be? <laughs> um, so it was just a lot of voices. It was my own voice. It was family members' voices. And I just had a lot, a lot of doubt. And um, I ended up applying for Teach for America, believe it or not. Um, that was a plot twist. <laughs> um, yeah, I applied for Teach for America. And I was like, I'm just going to be a teacher. You know, they're going to place me somewhere. I'll just be a teacher until I can figure out how to make this social work thing happen. And I go through all the interviews for Teach for America. You know, I do my lesson plan. I teach it, whatever. And I get it. And I'm still kind of like, this don't feel right. Like, I can't even be excited for this because this is not what I want to do either. But I was like, I think... Honestly, I think I was trying to be safe. I was like, I don't want to fall flat on my face with grad school. Um, I don't want to fall flat on my face and go to DHR, do a job I don't like. So I tried to talk myself out of social work. Um, and when it came time for me to pick where I wanted to be placed for Teach for America, I called my recruiter and I was like, I I'm not doing it. I'm not going to do it. <laughs> um, and after that, I went to grad school scared. Um, I applied for the University of Alabama. It was super scary because I wanted so bad to be on campus and be able to have that experience. But like I said, the, the mobility issues and all of those things, it was the best fit naturally for me to do online. Um, and so... I like to think of like my orientation as like that turnaround moment for me. Like you have me like right before you're going into grad school, super scared, still doubtful. And then I get to orientation and I think that changed everything because Renita, when I tell you I was at this orientation, not even enrolled yet. I don't think I've ever told anybody that <laughs> I was not enrolled. The day I went to orientation, didn't know if my loan was going to get approved, didn't know where the money was going to come from. And I still went to orientation anyway. And um, believe it or not, by the end of the orientation, I checked my phone and there was an email that my loan had went through. Like, I just feel like that was just like a sign. Like, I don't, I don't know. Like, if that's not a sign, I don't know what is. <laughs> so... It was beautiful. I was like, you know, I, I'm, I'm meant to do this work. I'm meant to go into this profession. 
And um, I'm so glad that I didn't allow myself to scare myself out of it. Um, so I look back on that and I just laugh at myself because I was like, girl, what are you thinking? <laughs> you did not want to be an advice teacher. <laughs> so that's basically how I think this social work journey really got started for me was um, pushing past the fear and still doing it. Um, and once I finished my master's degree, it felt like, okay, boom, I'm hit with something else. So um, a few months before I was supposed to graduate, um, it was the peak of COVID. You know, it was so crazy to be in your last semester um, of grad school and being told, well, you can't finish your internship. Um, you have to go home. And I just remember feeling so sad about that. I, I felt like, you know, this is something else that's happening that's out of my control. And I don't know what this is going to look like. So I'm just sending in um, paperwork or like little BS assignments instead of actually being in the field and working with clients, you know, and I was just, just kind of torn up about that. And um, not only did I get sent home from my internship, but um, towards the end of March, 2020, um, my grandpa passed away. And I think that was like, oh my gosh, like, it was just, it was like the worst month possible for me. I think that was probably the worst day of my social work life, honestly, um, because I, everything stopped, you know, I, I didn't, um, I wasn't able to, to go through my internship and see my clients that, that stopped, you know, um, one of the most important people in my life, he was gone. He couldn't see me graduate. You know, there was no graduation. So it it was kind of like another setback for me of like, how do I do this? You know? And so when I did graduate, um, I got my diploma in the mail and I tried to pick myself up and apply for jobs and, um, I, I applied for everything under the sun. I did. I wanted so badly at that point to be a therapist. I had that set in my mind um, that I wanted to be a therapist and I was not getting those jobs. I'm an entry-level social worker um, with a master's degree and I'm not getting calls back like and the callbacks I'm getting are like, well, you have to have your license or, you know, we're looking for someone with more experience. And I'm just like, OK, so um, I went through a few months of just beating myself up because you have this idea of how you feel your journey is supposed to go. Um, it's like if I check all these boxes, then it's like it has to happen. Like I did everything right. And it just wasn't happening that way. Like um, every time I tried, it felt like just a huge blow. So I was kind of like stagnant for a little while. Like I was sitting at home um, 
with my dog, just sad. Like we're cuddled up in the bed every day, same routine, you know? Because I just I couldn't see myself moving forward in a different direction. Um, I had people telling me, well, you know, just go get a part-time job. Like it's okay until you can figure out what you want to do, or, you know, well, you might really want to consider DHR again, because that's, you know, whatever. And kind of started getting back in that self-doubt, like, okay, well, maybe they're right. Maybe I do need to just, you know, go back to um, DHR or some of the other options out there before I try to be a therapist. And um, I think I took a break from that. I was like, I'm not going to apply for any more jobs. Um, I used all my part-time money, um, to pay for my licensure. And, um, <laughs> I think back to that part-time job, I was making $10 an hour, um, and after school, which is nothing. And, um, I'm working five days out the week for just two or three hours. Um, and I was just putting money to the side and, all that money that I saved, I, I paid for my whole licensure. I was like, this is it. Like, I mean, if I can't get this, I don't know what I'm going to do. So <laughs> I put all my money into that. And um, I studied for three months nonstop. Um, and I carried my notebook around everywhere. That little study, that little study book for LMSW, like that thing was so beat up because I took it everywhere. Because I was like, if I don't get this... <laughs> I don't know what I'm gonna do. So I would take it to work with me, um, write my little notes and have my little flashcards out um, for three months straight. And so when I walked in that exam room, I said a prayer and I took it and I passed on the first try. So when I look back <laughs> on my social work journey, it was so chaotic and crazy. And I feel like every moment that I felt like I wanted to give up. It was always like that one thing that happened that was like, okay, you need to pick your head up. Like, stop trying to put your tail between your legs. Like, you're not running from it. So um, I think that's probably been the most beautiful part of it. It hasn't been easy, but there's been so many signs that this is what I'm supposed to be doing that kind of brings me back and kind of centers me a little bit. Um, so I'm so grateful for all of that. Um, I wouldn't want it to happen again, <laughs> but I'm grateful for all of that because now I can say that, you know, I stuck to it and now I am a children's therapist. Like I'm doing exactly what I said I wanted to do right now. So, yeah. <laughs> I heard somebody say recently, I'm living in my prayer. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's what you're doing. Renee, that is such a great social work story. Can I tell you about my sign? I also went to the University of Alabama for my graduate degree. I, I, I think it was before they did the online. <laughs> I'm old school. <laughs> so I was I was sitting in Little Hall when it was still haunted. And I, I too went to orientation. And I didn't know how I was going to pay for it. I was still a student at Auburn. That was before they, you know, yeah, I hadn't graduated from Auburn yet. And I had already went and been accepted and was sitting in orientation and did not know how I was going to pay for it. And I, I remember sitting in the common room and just sitting there. I don't know why I was sitting there for it was 
I'm just sitting there like I'm not leaving. And then the dean, I can't remember. His, I feel like it's Dean Richards. I don't think he's with us anymore. He just called me in his office and miraculously they had some money for me to go. Yes. And then I was able to leave. <laughs> but it was the same. It was the same energy of I'm just going to go to orientation. I don't know how I'm going to pay for this thing. And then be before I left the, that day, there was miraculously some money available for me to be able to attend the University of Alabama. University of Alabama, we didn't say it, but roll tide, right? Right. <laughs> <laughs> roll tide. What I find, and I, part of the story I love, and I love when you know, I get to do the interviews kind of in groups like this because you talked about your aunt and your grandma being social workers and your, your grandma was actual. So, because we were talking about um, my mom being a social worker, but not having any letters, you know, she mm -hmm. never went to school. She just, you know, she raised up a bunch of social workers, but your aunt and your mom actually went through school and were social workers in the profession. And I was, to have that legacy, I wrote down the word legacy. One, you're, you're a social work legacy. First and foremost, that's pretty cool. Yeah. But then to be in your senior year of high school and not know what a social worker was and having these two beautiful women that, you know, are in your family, that said to me that they didn't push this on you. You know, they didn't try to, it was just in your blood. They didn't try to say, oh, maybe you should do this. You this was really something that you had to find on your own. And I find that so beautiful. Do you want to speak to that a little bit? Yeah, I definitely can. I think that the biggest part of my family that I think I appreciate so much is that they're so supportive of, of everything. Like, I think even when I was a kid, I told my one to be a vet and they're like, yeah, no one. I hated blood. I was like, there's no way I'm going to be a vet. But they were like, you can do it. You can do anything. Um, so I think back to that so much of, you know, them pouring into me and all of the choices that I make, even if they don't agree, they're not telling me they don't agree, but they know that I'm hard headed. So I'm going to do it. But <laughs> I love so much that they, they support me and um they just want me to be happy in what I'm doing and so like to hear you say like you know that was something that was in you and you know it still happened um it does make me feel really good to hear that and I hope that you know what they were able to bring to the profession um does flow through me when I'm, I'm in these spaces with these clients because I think to the stories that they've told me about their clients. And to this day, they have people that approach them. Like, I remember you when you were doing X, Y, and Z. Um, and that's so beautiful to me. Um, them being able to still um, receive that consideration of like, you changed my life. I think that kind of makes me like, okay, like that's huge. I can, I can do this because I know even if I get one thank you, that's a huge, big deal. So beautiful. I always thank the social workers who came before us, right? Because we couldn't, we couldn't do this work as, I know it's hard, but still as easily as we do had there not been social workers who came before us. I want to 
I'm going to, this is for you, Renee. You can speak to it if you want to, but you know, this is Renita being Renita. I heard you saying you're trying to be safe. And then I also wrote down, do it scared. And I know where you are in your social work journey now. And I want to just give that same advice that you gave yourself back then. Stop trying to play safe and do it scared. Okay. Okay. So where do you want to go on your social work journey? You know, I took a whole bunch of notes before um, we got on here. Honestly, they're like sitting right here. It's a lot of them. <laughs> and one of the things that I wrote down was that I want to be like Renita. <laughs> I don't want to be Renita, but I want to be like Renita because I just, I want to um, really just be a light for other people, but I want to do it my own way. Um, and I think that's that's the energy that you give me is like, yeah, I want to be an independent social worker, but I want to do it my own way. I want to add all of the parts of me into what I'm doing. Um, and that's absolutely what I want to do. I really want to have my own practice someday. Um, I don't know how it's going to happen or any of the logistical stuff yet, but um, that's my dream right now is to be able to work for myself and be able to um, just make it my own. Like they're going to say that this is Renee's and, you know, Renee's a little weird, but <laughs> we like this. We like the help, you know? So um, I would love, 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 love to be able to do something like that. Um, so I'm hoping that I'm not gonna say I hope, but I'm gonna say that I want so much for that dream to come true and I'm going to do everything I can to make that happen. And again, I say, do it scared, babe, do it scared. <laughs> and you don't know how, you don't need to know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to say this to you. And I already know, you know, this just keeps showing up as your authentic self. I like being weird. <laughs> I like being weird. I, I think that um, that's what makes this journey fun, right? Yeah. Is when you get to be your authentic self and show up weird so your clients can show up weird too. Mm -hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Renee, I totally completely can see you doing this your own way and it being absolutely what your clients need. You're the bonfire and you got, you got to show up so they can get warm, right? So I'm I'm rooting for you. Come to our vision, vision board party next year and let's write it down and make it plain so that we may run with it. So I love <laughs> that. I love that. Renee, who um, would you say were your, I would love to hear a Clark Atlanta shout out university. Who was your favorite instructor from Clark Atlanta? Oh my gosh, I'm so glad you asked me that because I was going that route. <laughs> um, my all-time favorite professor of all time, her name is Dr. Margaret Spriggs. I love that woman so much. She, I used to call her my social work mom. I don't know if she knew that, but um, she, well, she took me under her wing. Like I really felt like I was like a baby bird in social work and she was like, okay, come on, like, let me help you. So um, I love so much about her. I think mostly is her passion for, for the profession, but also for her students. I think that that's just such a special bond that she creates with us um, is that, you know, you have to love what you do. 
Um, and you have to love yourself while you're going through it. And I think there were so many moments that I struggled just in my personal life while I was going through college. Because, you know, college is a wild place. So you're, you're doing stuff for the first time. I'm in Atlanta. And she had so many conversations with me in her office. And she was like, you need to sit down. Because <laughs> you got some things that you're trying to do. And it's not lining up with what you're outside doing. So um, I love that so much. And I think she's so memorable to me. Like, I, I really, I think about her often, like, oh my gosh, this lady is so, so amazing. And even while I was there, you know, she is, she was teaching, she was a professor, and now she's the associate dean of the school. So she is like a, a social work boss. Like, she really is. So um, shout out to her. I hope she sees this. <laughs> He's going to see it because you're going to send it to her and <laughs> say her name. I want to hear it clearly. What was her name again? Dr. Margaret Spriggs. Spriggs. Dr. Spriggs. Yes. Yes. Shout out to Dr. Spriggs. <laughs> Social work boss. I love that. Before we move away from that question, though, I want to, I heard what she did for you. What did you learn from her? Do you think you can dig into that a little bit? What do you think? What was one of the most important lessons you learned from her? One of the, the things I learned from her. I think the, the biggest thing is just not limiting yourself in social work. Um, I think when she, you know, told me a lot about what she did in her, you know, journey as a social worker, um, it was so many different things. And um, I think that for me, I like I said, I'm really like particular. Like I want things to go a certain way. And I sometimes I think I put myself in a little box of like this is what I want to do. So this is all I can focus on. And with her, it's kind of like, no, because you can be a master in all of these different things. Um, so don't limit yourself in that. And everything that you do may not be for you, but you're gonna take something from it. And I think that that was probably the biggest thing that I learned from her, um, from her experience and just from our talks. I think, um, like I said, sometimes she had to get me out of some stuff. <laughs> um, even, you know, going through um, my BSW program, there were so many times I tried to limit myself. And I remember my first year, um, I was a freshman and I was in the honors program. So they have a seminar class. And so I was in the honor seminar class versus the social work one. So I didn't get a chance to meet my cohort until later. Um, but I remember she called me and she was like, uh, can you come sit in my class? <laughs> like maybe once out the week, maybe skip your seminar, come to mine. And I did it. I did it. I listened to her and I did it. But I thought that was so funny because she was like, yeah, you're not going to miss this social work class. Like, I don't care nothing about the honors program. Like, you need to be sitting in here <laughs> to hear what I have to say. And I thought that was so funny. And to this day, I'm so grateful she did that because I think that pushed me even more to really focus in on social work um, as a priority versus like, mm, you know. I could do that. <laughs> She's been a social work boss. <laughs> it sounds like she has been a social work boss. And 
besides I heard make social work a priority, do it scared and be bold. Mm -hmm. And she taught you to be bold. Renee, what is one thing you would take on your social work journey? I think the biggest thing that I want to take is, is giving myself grace. Um, because I think that I went into the profession wanting it to be a certain way or having different expectations on what I could do. I think that I went into it loving it so much that I'm like, oh, I'm going to change everybody's life. It's going to be amazing. And then when it didn't happen or, you know, the client didn't follow through, it was kind of like, dang. And I used to find myself feeling so upset about that. Like I was really hurt about that, like really offended. And I'm like, why are you offended? Like, <laughs> so I would definitely give myself grace and kind of let myself know, you know, moving forward. It's like, this is one of those professions that you can only do what you can do. And once you give it your all, you have to let it go. And another piece of that I will say is giving my clients grace as well. Because while they're trying to change, it's not easy. Um, it's not always what they want to hear. And sometimes when it's like that, you know, people run. They don't want, they don't, they're not ready for that. And um, I think that comes along with grace too. Another piece of it, um, I think I wrote down somewhere. I looked through my pile of notes. <laughs> um, I wrote down having faith. Um, I think that is something that I lacked at many times during my social work journey. So if it's not perfect, it's okay. Um, you know, but I, I just think that it's so important to have faith in something. Um, even if it's just having a little faith in yourself that you're going to be able to do the things that you set out to do. Um, and my last thing was boundaries. Um, I know we talk a lot about boundaries in our sessions, and um, I think that that's something that I'm still reminding myself of is um, when it comes to your clients, you're doing them a disservice if you are always available. So set those boundaries um, and also boundaries for you in other areas of your life, because you cannot be the best social worker trying to be the best everything else. So you kind of have to pace yourself, um, even in your personal life with, I just need a minute to sit in the silence and do nothing. <laughs> um, and so then when you start back on Monday, you're like, okay, I can do this thing because I've had a minute to recharge. So that's really important. Um, so yeah, I think that was like three things, right? <laughs> Yes, that was so good. I'm so glad you went, you pushed that boundary <laughs> and, and moved past just the one because we need to hear all three. Let me tell you this, the interview I did right before yours, she said grace and you didn't know that. And the last thing she said was boundaries. And we came up with the tagline that we're going to get merchandise for. A boundary a day keeps the burnout away. <laughs> Yeah, I like that. <laughs> yes. So maybe the goddess of the social work, we're going to get coffee cups or something with the boundary a day keeps the burnout away. Oh, Renee, that was such a great answer. What would be something or some things, however you decide to answer it, that you would leave behind? You know, like, don't let's not take that with us into 2024. 
I think the biggest thing that I don't, I don't want to take, and I think that I've experienced a lot this year is just the fear. Um, I think I've had a lot of fear and, um, it's been really conflicting because it's like, I know what I want and I know that it's out there, but then, you know, I get in my own head and I'm like, mm, it might not happen. So let me kind of shift back into what's comfortable. Um, but I think the biggest thing um, for any social worker is just recognize that fear, <clears throat> but also um, figure out how do I move past it? Um, I think for me, like I've recognized it. I haven't figured out the how to move past it part yet, <laughs> um, but I'm hoping in 2024, it'll, you know, unfold for me how they move past that. But I want to leave fear behind for sure, because I mean, that's the one thing that um, is going to hold you back from all of the beautiful things that could happen. Um, and I just want to set that intention, like Miss Rita says, <laughs> not to do that. <laughs> yes, set that intention. This is a good day to set. We're I'm gonna be weird. I'm gonna be my Renita self. Today is the winter solstice, and it is a really good day to set an intention. So, and to release, and and so releasing fear. And I think you know, you said you haven't figured out how to do it. It's just that one step at a time and you take that grace with you, knowing that you're not going to do a perfect, my beautiful perfectionist, <laughs> but yeah. Right. Yeah. I think trying, wanting to do it perfect is what causes the fear. Yeah. And so if you take your own advice <laughs> and take that grace with you and just do it one step at a time, we're releasing it today. You said that attention is done. So I love that answer. That was beautiful. Oh, Renee, this is so good. But we are coming to the end of our time together. I just have one final question. One of the things that you taught us today is that this profession is definitely not all love and light, right? Right. <laughs> what advice can you give social workers in our audience who have been through a rough social work year and are trying to rebuild? Hmm. I think the best advice is to to just talk to yourself. Um, I know that sounds so weird, but I talk to myself all the time. Um, so even if it's just writing it down or like just dumping all of that out of your mind, I think the biggest help for me is when things go bad just dump it, like let yourself feel bad about it and cry and do all the things that you need to do to release it. But then once you've let that go, okay, now I got to reboot. I got to set some new um, expectations or new plans for myself. So um, I keep 50,000 notebooks and they all have different goals in them. <laughs> Um, I look back at them sometimes I'm like, that's crazy. <laughs> I don't even know why I had that as a goal, but write it down anyway. I mean, it might be something that you look back on later and like, oh, I don't want to do that. But then you might look at it and be inspired and like, okay, last year I set this goal that I am going to be licensed and maybe you haven't worked on it yet. But when you see that goal written down, that might light a fire under you. You might feel a little bit more ready. You might sit down and open the book and start going through or maybe find you a tutor, all these different things. 
Um, so I will just say the biggest thing is write it down. Get all of your feelings out. Um, check in with yourself. Because if you're not checking in with yourself, you're not going to make it. <laughs> I'm not going to lie. You're not going to make it. You're not checking in with yourself. Such great advice. I love it. And I love the synchronicity because Brittany said in her episode, keep a journal. And I love that you have 50,000 of them. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, we believe in writing it down. And that is how you, that's how you, re, how you build and are rebuild, right? When we're talking about answering the question, how do you, you've had a rough social work year and now we're about to go, you know, try to rebuild I was thinking about that is how buildings get built. They have this ar the architecture sits down and and I can't think of the word, but I'm thinking a blueprint. Yeah. You know, they write out a blueprint, right? They they create a blueprint. And why not do that for ourselves? Create your blueprint so that when you build this time, you're being very intentional. Mm -hmm. And you're doing it exactly the way you want to do it. And again, all those external voices that you were getting in the beginning of your social work career, they become less and less because you have a blueprint that you've written down of what you want to create. Oh, Renee, that was such a great answer. Oh, <laughs> such a great answer. I'm so glad you said yes. Me too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I hope you'll come back next year. I'm, I'm the ones who were here with me in December. I'm inviting all of you guys back next year, maybe for social work month, maybe for a different event. But I, I hope that you'll say yes again and come back with even more wisdom to give our social work audience. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for listening to today's episode of the Goddesses of Social Work podcast. We are glad you were here. If you liked this episode, please come back to hear more stories of the journeys through social work and please leave us a review on Apple or Spotify. See you next time here on the Goddesses of Social Work podcast.